There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James. Today on the podcast, we're unpacking what wills are, what an estate plan is, power of attorneys, enduring guardianships, advanced care directives, all this crap that most of us have never heard of until two seconds ago, but we're going to answer those questions. I've got the professionals in today, Uh, I'd like to welcome Angela Broschetto and Anna Cookshank from Orby Brown Lawyers. Welcome, ladies. Thank you very much, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Thank you. Now, we can't do these podcasts that we do without our show partner, Sun Super. Sun Super have got behind the podcast, and I know a lot of you in the Facebook group have joined Sun Super because of that. They've won Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year, so, you know, top performing fund. They've got investment management in-house, but also they've got specialist investment managers from all around the world that they employ to make a dynamic portfolio for you. So, if you are interested in reviewing your superannuation, we just ask you that you throw SunSuper in the mix. Now, you can head to sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. And I want to just personally thank SunSuper again for supporting us and we will support you however we can. Now, if you are listening to this podcast, it means you've got a podcast player and you might not know, but we've got some other podcasts that you might be interested in. We do a podcast with Shell and M called My Millennial Career, which is all about your career. We do a podcast with John and Emily, uh, who's out of Melbourne, called My Millennial Property. So, if you're into property and ladies, we're going to have some estate planning property questions soon. So, that's going to be wild. So, if you're into property, check out My Millennial Property. If you're under 24 and you want a bit more, you know, less old people like me, uh, you can listen to Gen Z Money. We've got a new podcast called My Millennial Business. So, if you just want to start a business, if you want encouragement, I talk to a heap of business owners. And we've got a doctor who does a podcast and it's all about sexual and reproductive health. Giddy up. And that's called You To You, You To Me, You To Us. And you can check that out as well. A lot of podcast happenings in there. There are. And I know I was uh, with Anna a couple of weeks ago at the office talking about some contractual stuff because we've got a bit of a beast here that we're creating. All right, let's have a chat about wills and estate planning. Now, I've only just met Angela, so I thought, what better way to insult someone I've just met by talking about some lawyer jokes. Now, Anna, I've known you for a million years. You have, Glenn. Are there any lawyer jokes that you hear that are new to you? Probably not. Are you going to hit me with one? Let's let's hit you with one. <laughs> uh, tell me if you've heard this one. Sure. What's the difference? And I'm starting low. like What's the difference between a vacuum cleaner and a lawyer riding a motorcycle? <laughs> 
and this is very pointed because Glenn knows I have just spent my holiday riding a motorcycle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do we know the difference? I can't even imagine. The vacuum cleaner has the dirt bag on the inside. <laughs> Uh, clever. <laughs> and I'm Glenn James. Nice to meet you, Angela. Um, <laughs> what's the difference between a lawyer and a gigolo? Is it gigolo? Gigolo. <laughs> I can't read. I'm too like nervous. So what's the difference between a lawyer and a gigolo? Tell me. A gigolo only screws one person at a time. <laughs> How many lawyer jokes are there? Do we know? No. There's only three because the rest are true stories. Oh. <laughs> Uh, This is a personal favourite of mine. Mm -hmm. What do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? (laughs) A good start. Thank you, yes. (laughs) I've heard that one a million times or two. So if you're new to this kind of world of lawyer jokes, it's got some like back from Shakespeare and Mm -hmm. Shakespearean times. How how do you say that? Yeah, you've got it. What do you call a smiling, courteous person at a lawyer conference? (laughs) Caterer. Uh, Why why did God invent lawyers? So that payday lenders would have someone to look down on. Oh. Um, <laughs> what's the difference between a lawyer and God? God doesn't think he's a lawyer. All right. You've been real. I've been Glenn James. Now let's talk about estate planning. And you're a good sport, Angela. <laughs> so I guess, Angela, you've been in law for many years. You know, we talk about estate planning and all that stuff, but is estate planning or is an estate plan just a will? No, it's not just a will. It's a good will is is what everyone thinks about when they think about their estate plan, but it's also about um, setting in place all your substitute decision making documents as well, so that if you are incapacitated, that somebody else can make decisions on your behalf. Right. Yeah. So it's a collective of it documents. Is. Basically. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's right. Now, what forms part of someone's estate generally? Well, if you think about it as an estate, your estate being anything that you own or control effectively, yeah, so anything that you have actual ownership of, and this is where it can get quite interesting because people don't realise that some things they think they own, they don't actually own. So, interesting. for example, if you own a business, you may not actually own that business. You may own the shares in the company that owns the business, but you don't actually own the business in your own independent right, in your own personal name. Right. So it's making sure that you are dealing with assets that you actually own yourself rather than that are owned by another entity. Awesome. hmm. And we'll dig into all that. Yes. So, Anna, what happens, because I know, you know, Angela's the estate expert, but you know know one or two things about estates and (laughs) wills. What happens... When I die without a will. So when you die without a will, there is actually legislation that determines how your estate is distributed. And the risk or the effect of that is that your estate doesn't end up where you would like it to end up because the government has determined who inherits as opposed to in your will, you can make the decisions about where your estate's going to go and who's going to inherit. Mm-hmm. So... By default, everybody has a state-based backup will. Yes. The short answer is yes. Yes. Now, and just as a random question, like I've had clients who 
um, have received money mm-hmm. from people who has been their neighbor who have not had any family or relatives. Mm-hmm. Now, so for example, we're in New South Wales and it can vary from state to state. Mm-hmm. Yep. If somebody dies and they've got no family, no friends to hand it down to and they try and track down people, mm-hmm. where does the money go if there's no will and no family and nobody left? Well, then it will end up with the government. So the government yeah. will actually mm. grab it. Mm-hmm. If there is no other family at any any level, yeah. then it will end up with the government, yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, we don't want that, do we? No, no. So that's why it's better to... Have a plan. Make your wishes known <laughs> by making a will. Mm-hmm. Can you have mm. a joint will with your spouse? No. Everybody has their own separate will. You can have what they call mirror wills where you have a will that mirrors your spouse's will, but everybody has their own individual will. Yes. And we talked about things that form someone's estate. Mm-hmm. So, a practical example could be I own a house outright in my name. Yes. I own a motor vehicle. I own some antiques. Yes. I own... Um, an investment account that's mm-hmm. in my name. Yes. So, all that forms my estate. It does, yes. Can you have a joint estate with your spouse? You don't have a joint estate. You may have jointly owned assets. So, if you have, for example, a joint bank account, that bank account, generally speaking, will pass by survivorship to the surviving joint account holder. Right. Um, so it won't form part of your estate. And similarly with a jointly owned property, if you own it as joint tenants, not as tenants in common and equal share. So there's two forms of ownership, which I think we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about on. the property. Yeah. yeah. So it's yes. basically whether you're, um, you know, living in America in a state that allows 15 wives or 15 <laughs> husbands or whatever, sure. or you just by yourself, everybody has their own will and exactly. their own estate. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And um, something, Glenn, that is sometimes um, – a bit of an eye-opener and an education piece for clients because when we do wills, we actually spend the time getting to understand our client, their family, their circumstances and their assets. And it will often be the case when we're undergoing that process, we will say to clients, this bank account sits outside of your will because it's in joint names. This um, trust sits outside of your will um, because of the way that it's set up and clients didn't understand that when they were making the choices and that can particularly come into being if there are blended families involved um, where really understanding how the way you've set things up at the front end plays out at the back end um, becomes really important. Yeah, and we will dig deep deeper into the blended families mm-hmm. a little bit later on. Where should somebody store their will? Well, a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> we have safe custody, so we hold wills and other important documents like appointments of enduring guardian, um, powers of attorney, Uh, certificates of title in safe custody. Um, Basically, wherever you hold your documents, wherever you keep your documents, it's important to make sure somebody knows where to find them because that can be an issue if nobody, if if you don't tell somebody where to find those documents. And unfortunately, we don't have a central register of wills or or documents like you know, where you can register to say my will is kept with this firm. I, I think in this day and age mm. with like the ATL and MyGov, mm-hmm. like how cool would it be to have like just a, a will register mm. like so if I'm hit by a car at the side of the road, mm. yeah, harvest his organs, 
bloody his wheels down at Aubrey Brown in their strong room or whatever it yep, is. Yes. Um, and he wants this song played at his funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we don't need to go that far. But, yeah, it's an interesting it point, be, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, because a lot of time can be spent trying to find a will if you don't know where, the, you know. Where it's and at. it's sometimes, like I've heard stories where people have put that they want to be uh, – Buried mm-hmm. in their will, which is, yes, yeah. and we'll touch touch on that. It might not be the right place to put that, mm-hmm. and they um, they have the funeral, mm-hmm. they cremate them. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, there's the will. Oops, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we should have buried them. So, which is one of the things we talk about to clients is that we do um, give them the option to put those wishes or the burial wishes in the will. But it's very important that you have the discussions with your nearest and dearest to let them know what your wishes are. And it's surprising how many times you're sitting with clients and particularly a couple, and they may never have discussed with each other what their wishes are and one will suddenly say, oh, I want to be cremated and the other will go, I didn't know that, you know. So these are the things that they're important to raise with your family and friends, whether you put them in the document or not, but somebody needs to know what those wishes are. Is it important that, uh, so I've got uh, copies of Mm -hmm. my documents here at home. Yes, yeah. And it says, there's a stamp that says the original's kept at Aubrey Brown Lawyers. Yes. How important is the original wet signature will in this day and age? It's still very important. Yes, there are. there's legislation in place to sign things um, via audiovisual link because of COVID, but it's still important to have that wet signature um, and that's the document that the original will is the document that is needed to apply for probate. Right. So that's, yes, it's still very important to have that. Mm. And I will, uh, you've used that magical P word. Mm -hmm. So what happens when I die, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still warm and they find my will? (laughs) 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 So the will will disclose who is appointed as your executor, so who you've chosen to administer your estate. Yep. And that person then has responsibility for your funeral as well. So that they have responsibility for organising the funeral. So hopefully you've expressed your wishes in some form to that person so they know what song to play. <laughs> yeah, So and, and I guess that's what I, what I want to talk about. Mm. So the executor responsibilities. So, yes. you know, I call Aubrey Brown and mm-hmm. say, hey, I want a will. Yes. One of the things you'll ask me is mm-hmm. who do you want? to be the executor. Yes. Now, there are some responsibilities for Mm. the executor. There are, yes. So it's not as if you should be fearful of choosing an executor that they can steal your money. It's more of a an oversight of execution. Is that a fair Well Yes, they have responsibility for administering your estate and carrying out the wishes in your will or carrying out the directions that you've that you've set out in your will. Um, There is a lot of trust involved because you're asking them to to take on a, a financial responsibility effectively. So it's important that you choose someone that is trustworthy and that you know will carry out those wishes for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And what happens if the executor dies before you do? That happens, unfortunately. Um, what we like to do and what we always recommend is that you have a substitute named in the will. So if person A can't act, then person B will act in their place. Sometimes you can have a number of substitute executors. Um, and if there is no executor named in the will who's still alive, then one of the beneficiaries can step in and apply to be the administrator. So they won't be the executor, but they'll be the administrator of that will. Right. And you mentioned probate. Mm -hmm. People may have heard this term probate. Yes. What does that mean? And what is the process of probate? The process of probate is, well, it's applying for a grant of probate from the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court has to... um, it's basically an authority from the Supreme Court to say this is the last will of Glenn James or whoever the person might be. So it's a it's an application that's made to the court to 
designate that will as the last will of that so particular person. So the official person. will. Exactly. So yes. if somebody dies mm-hmm. and they've got a will, mm-hmm. um, will it always have to go through the court? Not always. It depends what assets are owned at the time of death. So, um, for example, if you own real estate, yes, you must always apply for a grant of probate unless unless it's jointly held as joint yes. tenants. Yep. But if you own real estate in your own name, then always, you must always apply for a grant of probate in those right. circumstances. Right. Okay. So- so probate is basically, so if I die with a will yes. and I'm not mansplaining, I'm just repeating mm. it to myself, <laughs> Sure, I get accused of random stuff. You'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> if I die with a will mm-hmm. and I've got property, yes. it then goes to um, the Supreme Court. Yes, your executor will have to make an application and we can- With the help of a lawyer, yes. yeah. So we can and do that's all that. In, I guess yeah. in my, because I always like the practical side sure. and that's why I repeat stuff. Um, if I'm the executive of mm-hmm. somebody's will, yes. it's not as if I have to do it all myself. No, so I could no. go to a lawyer yes. and yep. say, can I pay you yes. yep. with funds from the estate? Exactly. Yes, that's right, yeah. And- Yep. They can help. That's right. There's a scale fee for the application to the court, which is based on the gross value of the estate. So the gross value is all the assets of the estate. Um, and then that's how you calculate the fees, the, the legal fees, and also the court filing fees calculated on that right, basis. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when would a will be deemed invalid? All sorts of reasons. The first one I'll mention because it's uh, come up as recently in a matter that I've been involved with is when you marry. So yes. if you've made a will and then you subsequently get married, the will that you made previously is revoked unless you make that will what they call in contemplation of marriage. So we had a situation where client and his, well, not client, deceased and his partner were living together in a de facto relationship for many years. He'd made a will in favour of his children from his first marriage and then on a whim he and his partner decided to get married and by doing so they revoked the will in favour of the children and they're currently still fighting over the estate because he di- he then died intestate. So instead right. of dying with the will in favour of his children, which is what he thought he was doing, he died without a will. So the legal term for dying without a will is you die intestate. Exactly, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. the um, interesting flip side of mm. that is that divorce does not invalidate no. your will. And I had a matter some years ago now where we um, acted for um, a wife in a divorce, mm-hmm. so she got half of everything. Then the husband died and he hadn't changed his will, so she picked up the rest. Oh, mm. love it. Slash <laughs> awkward. Yes. <laughs> That's interesting. Why hasn't the law people, like you people, yeah. like and your associations <laughs> or whatever, like lobbied the government to change that? Or is it a valid thing well, that till death do us part, you are married? I'm, I'm going to probably just jump in here. You might edit this out in some way. but No, we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of a will that's made, sorry, in terms of a divorce, so if a couple is divorced um, and there's a gift in the will to the divorced spouse, mm-hmm. that gift won't take effect. So mm-hmm. there must have been a slight variation on that. I'm wondering if they weren't actually divorced yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I just remember, mm. and this was some time so ago. So they had a property but settlement. she yeah. couldn't. They had a property settlement. Mm. She couldn't wipe the smile off her face oh, when she came nice. and picked yeah. up the rest of it. Okay. okay. Wow. So, yeah, there is a law that says if if you, the will is not revoked by a divorce but any 
gift in favour of the divorced spouse or any appointment as executor is as if as if they'd predeceased the deceased. Mm-hmm. But it just speaks to this um, thing that you need to take responsibility mm. of your life Absolutely. at key yes. milestones. Mm. Exactly. Regardless. Yes. Mm. And and the other point to make there is that any time there's a change in your circumstances, you should pull your will out, have a look at it, does it still work? Do I need to show it to a solicitor to see whether it's still going to work? If there's a death, if there's a birth, if there's a change in relationship status, pull the will out, have a look at it, make sure it's still going to apply. Hmm. I can you do an like an addendum, addendum or whatever you, you call can, it to the codicil. will. It's called a codicil for a will. Yeah, right. you can. We tend not to do it as much these days because you can make a new will quite easily. Because in the old days where we had to type everything up freshly um, from scratch, you would tend to do a codicil so that you didn't have to um, to type everything out again. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I recently changed a charity in my will. Did you? Yes. And yeah. I, I went into Aubrey Brown yes. mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, yeah, just add another thing on there. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we'll just redo it all. Yeah, because no. it's all on the word process. You know, it's all in the computer now. It's yeah. just a matter of changing the, the details to do that. And the mm-hmm. risk of having codicils mm-hmm. is that um, they get misplaced mm-hmm. and um, whereas the will that's the last document is clearly identified and it's less likely that things are going to be overlooked. Mm. So the key things that you're saying, Mm. we need to update our will when we get married, if we get divorced, or if there's any other major material changes in our life. Is that a fair statement? Mm. Anything, yeah, yeah. A lot of people say... I'm single, mm. ready to mingle like a Pringle or whatever they say. <laughs> I don't have any assets and mm. you know, I've got a job, I've got yes. some super. Yes. Do I need a will? Always, yes. Yes. Unfortunately, the minute you start a job or that you have a, open a bank account, you really should make a will. The minute you turn 18, in my view, yes, yeah, that you should be. And that's something that, you know, we should be educating our kids about at school, that as soon as they become an adult, they should have a will and a power of attorney. They're the two documents as a minimum that they should be making, yes. I guess a lot of people freak out. It's like, I don't want to make a will because it, like, I might die yeah, the next week. Yeah. Like that. That's, It's not going to stop you from dying, no. making a will. <laughs> not making a will or making a will. No. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't. And, um, and I guess because you see, ex- you know, you see situations with clients where young people die, you know, and I'm, I've had two clients over the years where they had kids over in, one in England, one in um, Indonesia, I think, on gap years doing things and they had children who died and neither of them had made wills and they didn't have significant assets but the fact of them not having made a will meant mum and dad had to sign a whole lot of extra paperwork to justify, you know, what they were doing to close off accounts. Yeah, so it's just assets. more of a, a bookend for closing crap. It is. It, it just makes it easier for those who are left behind to deal with things. If yeah. you've named someone that you want to be your executor um, yep. and to deal with your estate, you can just say, I want to leave it all to mum and dad or, you know, something very simple. Yep. But at least if you've dealt with it and covered it off, then it just makes life easier for those left behind. So why can't I get a pen and paper and just go, hi, I'm Glenn. Mm-hmm. Today's date is this. Mm-hmm. Um, if I die or check out, mm-hmm. I want everything to go to mum and dad, sign Glenn. You can certainly do that and that can be what they call an informal will, but the process of having to prove that as an informal will is quite extensive and quite onerous and it's a lot of hard work that you can avoid by making a proper will. Yes. Yeah. Mm. The um, 
and just if we drill down deeper, mm. Mm. I must say in my career with um, wheel kits and mm. all that stuff, you get the post office. Yes. I'm not sure I've actually seen a valid one because dates get missed. Um, yes. And it, yes. Uh, you don't want to flush everything down the drain on a technicality. No, exactly. And I've actually um, had a matter once where the client made a will using a will kit mm-hmm. and doing what um, he thought was best, used what he thought were legal words. So I give all of my shackles, S-H-A-C-K-L-E-S, to my mum. But if I think intended to use the word chattels, chattels it like still would have been invalid because it didn't cover all of his estate, but it was mm. invalid because he didn't own any shackles no. and because he'd been very precise and mm-hmm. he'd used He was doing words. the right thing, That's quite unquote. Right. That's yeah. right. So the technicalities around um, the wording in the will, but also there are technicalities around the way that the will needs to be signed. It's a very old um, and antiquated process in a lot of respects, but um, nailing those and making sure you get them right, just make sure that if something happens to you, the um, family's experience is a lot less stressful Mm. because it's a lot more seamless to see things through and follow through on your wishes. Are there any like, so just from me being in, you know, the financial advice world, Mm -hmm. when we do a statement of advice, which is the financial plan, for example, the cover page, it must have statement of advice, Mm -hmm. full name, date, AFSL, you know, and a sprinkle of unicorn tears to make it <laughs> perfect. Are there any key things, regardless of what free text in there, like I want my left RM William boot given to mum and my right one given to dad, mm-hmm. so you can do what you want. Sure, yes. But are there some key catch-alls that have to be in a will to make it valid? Um, in terms of, well, in terms of execution, you have to generally sign each page, although you can obtain probate without signing each page. But... Um, it has to be witnessed by two independent witnesses, right? Two p- people who are not beneficiaries, basically. Yeah. And do yeah. the dates all have to line up so they were in the same place? Um, not specifically, no. But it has to. Be, it's, I mean, it has to be dated so you know that's the last will that you've made. There might be one that predates that, so you need to know. Yes, that that's the particular date. Does it have to have the word "This is the last will and testament of"? No, not specifically. No, it, it has to be. Um, identifiable as a, as a will. And the intent of the yeah, document. Yeah, the intent of the document, that's yep. right, that it's intended to be your last will. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just before we move on to the power of attorney stuff, mm-hmm. what can we actually put in the will? You can actually put anything you want in there. I mean, people, I had clients the other day who expressed wishes about their pets yep. because their pets are important to them. They wanted to make sure that they were cared for. You can put burial wishes, as we've talked about, you can include all sorts of directions where you want your ashes scattered, what music you want played at the funeral, um, who you want to be guardians of your children. That's that's a critical one that um, often holds up a lot of people from making their will because they're not sure who to appoint. Yeah. Now, on so yeah, you can put anything. I actually had a client once mm-hmm. who she had a German Shepherd. Yes. Yep. She loved it. Mm-hmm. In her will, she died. She put that she wanted the German Shepherd euthanized. Because yeah. she couldn't trust anyone to yeah. care for it as well as yeah. her. That's, that's not uncommon to yeah. the people. Yes, yeah. Because they're like their family and they know that, you know, I've had a client recently say that to me, I don't think the dog will cope without me. Mm. And so then she's left it to her executor to make the call at that point. Yeah, and I guess that was what I was mm. saying. So with the 
you know, mm. if I have kids and I put, if I die, mm-hmm. I my intent is for this person to be the guardian. Yes, yes. So that's not binding, is it? Because what if who you wanted to be the guardian, they're mm. like, nah, I can't do it because mm. we've just moved overseas. Sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's another reason why it's important to update your documents, you know, as and when things change in your life. So if the people that you've chosen as guardians move overseas, you want to make sure, hang on, we're going to have to reappoint some guardians here because they're not going to be the most appropriate people. And obviously as your children age, it's always a good idea to have a look at someone who might be appropriate when they're a baby or when they're five may not be the same person mm. when they're 15. <laughs> Nobody wants them at 15. Yeah. <laughs> and you also want to make provision in your will for the welfare and maintenance and care of the children while they're um, minors and you want to understand that in your estate plan that the money's going to be there to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's um, it just speaks to that you really want to sit down with a qualified estate planning lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is so important. Not, mm. you know, the lawyer down the road, I mainly do family um, family mm. court, I uh, can whip up a will for you. Sure. Mm. Um, like, sure they can, but why not go to somebody who just does estate planning? That's right. Mm. Because we're going to ask you a lot of questions you may not have thought about um, because our job is to think about all the worst case scenarios. And you litigate the worst case scenarios yes, as well, you don't do you? Yes, you do read, you know, you see and, and be involved in some of those worst case scenarios that no one ever thought would happen. And, you know, that's that's what we try to avoid those worst case scenarios happening. Yeah. yeah. So if you do want to get your will sorted, I'll put a link in the show notes to contact Aubrey Brown and Angela, Anna and the team, they can get in contact with you. You're charging at the moment $330 for a single will or if there's a couple, $550. That's right. Now, I guess the difference is how is that different than a $100 will? Well, for a $100 will, you you know, you can't spend the time with a client to understand what their circumstances are, who the members of the family are, what their assets situation is whether what they own in their own personal name so um, without spending that time to find out these you know important aspects of someone's life you may prepare a will that doesn't actually achieve what they need to achieve or they want to achieve yeah yeah and part of the i guess the sound financial house that i've got there's a diagram Mm -hmm. you could probably just google glenn james sound financial house and it'll come up Um, (laughs) it's a photo of a house Mm -hmm. and the four foundations in your financial life uh, cashed up and debt-free. So you've got your emergency fund, you've got no consumer debt, you've got a, uh, a money system or a spending plan, you've got your life insurances and your wills and estate plan. Yes. So you should not be investing $300 into your investment account before you set up your own bloody will. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because all that hard work you people, doing. not yeah. these nice ladies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise all that hard work you're doing to build up this you know, amazing financial situation for yourself will all be for naught if you don't. Think yeah, those yeah. things as well. So any, um, I guess, final comments on the will situation? Don't put it off. Don't think because you're young or, you know, you don't have any many assets that you shouldn't do it now. Um, if you love the people in your life, absolutely. you do it for them. You do it for your family so yep. that they don't have the grief because they're going to have the grief if something happens to you. You don't want to add to their grief by not having things in so, place. Quick question. Hmm. Uh, I do this podcast just so I can personally <laughs> get free information. <laughs> right. Um, the executor of my will mm-hmm. uh, is my dear friend, mm-hmm. Tim Cooper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he's got, uh, and we'll talk about the power of attorney. He's also got power of attorney over me as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So, the rationale there for me is mm-hmm. 
a good friend who I can bank on, yes. he can execute financial wishes mm-hmm. without any emotion as much as yeah. my family. Yep. Good. Yes. You said before that, mm-hmm. you know, you can put the funeral plans and all that mm-hmm. in the will. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a crazy example, mm. but what if the executor of the will, they're organising Glenn's funeral. Yes. Um, and they say we're having, um, you know, pink roses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the executor comes in and goes, no, no, they're going to be red. Like, is it more just this overall, mm. I like, because obviously my family will manage yeah. the will. Yes, yes. But yeah. it's more the executor can release the funds for yes. the will. Yeah. Uh, for the for the funeral. For the funeral. Those, yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, oh, that's an interesting question. I guess in that respect, um, it it would be more an issue, I guess, if the family couldn't make a decision about, okay, are we going to have a white coffin or, you know, red coffin or something like that? And the executor arguably has the last say or can say, yes, we'll we'll do it this way. And I guess it would be more an issue if your executor was a family member and then he would have some vested interest in the whole thing. I think that this is why the choice of people Mm. is really important because um, respect is a big part of um, what plays out here. So it would really be um, your executor is the person who perhaps you've chosen because you feel they have got the ability to deal with the lawyers and to, you know, take that emotional stress a bit away from your family, but they're going to respect your family mm. and respect your family's wishes. One of the things that can often become a source of um, conflict is um, somebody's ashes and what happens with their ashes. And we've had circumstances where um, siblings, brothers and sisters, have had a huge big falling out mm. over what's going to happen to mum's ashes. Mm. Just one question. Can you have a joint executor? Yes. You can. Yep. Absolutely. So you can what, what I would say there, though, is make sure when you're thinking about a joint executorship that you think about people who do who are able to work together. So I always ask clients when they want to appoint two kids or three kids, do they get on? Because if they don't get on, there's no point appointing them together. It's not going to work. I had a, a client once who uh, deceased mm. and in the will mm-hmm. the lady wanted the younger daughter mm. to be the executor yes. mm. and also an old antique piece of furniture to go to the younger daughter. Right. Right. Now, the older son was ropeable because he was an executor mm. and he didn't get the bit of furniture mm. and mm. it put an explosion between those mm. two. Yeah. yeah. So all that to say, mm-hmm. do you think it's wise, mm-hmm. please say yes because I've done this, mm-hmm. um, to <laughs> – Inform your family. Absolutely. Just some yes. broad statements. Yes. I, I always, Maybe not down to the full stop no, of the will. No, you don't have – and look, it's up to the to the, the will maker whether they want to show a copy of the will to the family. If 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 it's that kind of family, then there's usually not an issue anyway, but um, definitely to let people know what it is you've done and why you've done it because there are so many um, – there's so much um, upset caused when people – have a, a shock once someone's already passed and then there's no opportunity to say to mum or dad, why did you do that, you know? There may be a perfectly logical explanation for why mm. it was done but if you don't have that opportunity to say, you know, to ask the question, then then that can cause a lot lot more grief and resentment, yeah. I wrote an email mm. to my mum, mm-hmm. my dad and my sister and copied in Tim Cooper, my executor, and said, all right, people, listen up. Yeah. This is what's happening. Mm. This is going there. This is going there. That's going to that charity. The kids are getting this, like niece and nephews. Um, 
any questions, mm-hmm. I suggest you ask me now. Good. Perfect. Um, the wheels yep. at Orby Brown. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim's mobile number. Beautiful. Peace out, bitches. Yes, that's yep. right. Exactly. <laughs> if everyone could do that, I think there'd be a lot less conflict after the fact because yep. then there's no surprises. You may not like what's been done, but at least you're aware of mm. it and you, you've got an opportunity. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of will makers don't want to have that conflict mm. while they're still mm. alive. They'd rather just you know, ignore it and hope that someone else is yeah. going to deal with it later. But. And one of the most difficult estates I've managed involved three brothers mm. and um, a farm. Mm. And the three brothers were so at loggerheads with each other. They were all executors, so Dad thought, I'll make them all executors. Mm -hmm. They all have equal power. Mm -hmm. They would actually come into meetings with me and they would refuse to acknowledge that the others were in the room. So one would ask me a question and then another one would ask me the same question because he would refuse to acknowledge that his brother was sitting in the room and that he could hear what he was saying. And the additional expense run up in that estate because it was right down to valuing the farm. We had to get three valuations because none of them would recognise the other's valuation. Um, It was just crazy. Sometimes when people are in really difficult situations, they will choose to point one of our lawyers as one of the executors, and um, I'm actually involved in an estate at the moment where I've been appointed as an executor because the um, fellow making the will knew that there were going to be difficulties in the family can after I, he was gone. Can I put in my will uh, the executor I would like um, Aubrey Brown lawyers, one of their representatives, or do you have to go Anna Cruikshank, Aubrey Brown lawyers? So um, the way that it's generally framed up is that one of the senior partners will be first named as your executor, but then it will default to or somebody else who is a partner at the time. Depending on – because you don't know at the time that you make the will there are certain people Mm. there, but it may be that you don't pass till, you know, 20, 30 years in the future and – Yes. So, again, though, you should be reviewing your will from time Mm. to time. But And you can get creative. Like Mm -hmm. I've talked about this before, but, you know, Tim is my executor. Mm -hmm. Lauren, my sister's stepped down. Yes. If my memory serves me correct, um, all of my assets, uh, I think the kids get 200 grand each that will go on trust until Mm -hmm. they're 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think Rod put something in like, but they can apply to the trustee Mm. for- So life broadening that's right. stuff at age 18. Education, maintenance, advancement in life. Travel to broaden the mind is the other one we talk yeah. about, but no one's travelling anywhere at the moment. So, yeah. And I guess I did age 30 mm. uh, because that's a lot of money yes. and I don't want a 20-year-old hanging yeah. out for exactly. rich mm. Uncle Glenn's yes. trust mm. money. Exactly. So yes. they can get on with their life. Yeah. And then I think the basically after that a donation and then – What's left, mm-hmm. 50% goes to mum and dad, 50% goes to my sister. Beautiful. Mm. Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. So. And one of the other things, and this is something we're very vigilant about when people are giving us instructions, is if people are allocating monetary gifts, so they're actually specifying an amount to somebody, making sure that that money is actually going to be there. when they die. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, it can upset their overall estate plan Mm -hmm. because they've given money and other assets they wanted to go somewhere else might have to be used to meet the monetary amount. Yeah. So, as an example, Mm. I need to keep an eye on that. So, if I died tomorrow and my estate only had $600,000, well, each kid's getting 200 Mm -hmm. 
and then mum and dad and Lauren had got nothing. That's yeah. right. I mean, not that's a bad thing, whatever, but as an yeah, example. Yes, yeah. to be more conscious um, of that, yeah. And yeah. that's why I think we use percentages with mum yeah, and dad that's, yeah. and that's and the sort of thing that we encourage. And, yeah, so they're the sorts of things as part of the estate plan. We help people to understand um, rather than them just telling us, this is what I want, make up a document that says that. Because I, uh, one of your other lawyers, Fiona, one day I said to her, mm-hmm. I said, is it worth in someone's will if you were in a long-term mm-hmm. de facto relationship mm-hmm. and you, it was later in life, do you, and you might not want to leave them money because mm-hmm. they're a grown person, sure. mm. do you ignore them and just tell them there's nothing in the will for you or do you throw them, here's a 50 grand gift mm. because it's that 50 grand gift could mean it's a precedent that I want more money from them because of this, this yeah. and that. That's a whole other topic yeah, for discussion, okay. I think, family provision. But, yes, there are <laughs> Nuance, nuances sure. there. There's a Yeah, that's a difficult one because if you are in a de facto relationship with someone, they are what they term an eligible person mm. and they have, have an expectation that they will be provided for in your estate. But oh. there's a whole lot of issues there that probably warrant a discussion with that person as to what they understand is going to happen. Mm. And they may have their own children of their own relation, first relationship that they need to you know, look after. Could you ever do like a document mm-hmm. with, so if you're in a long-term de facto relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've said, hey, you're not getting squat in my freaking will. Yes. <laughs> um, you put in the will, mm-hmm. I desire no money whatsoever to go to mm-hmm. this person's name. Mm-hmm. Could you get them to sign a document with you and get someone to witness it? I rescind or I release any claim to this estate. So that's actually called a binding financial agreement or um, people often refer to them as cohabitation agreements or prenups. I like cohabitation. It it sounds environmental (laughs) and fun. The other thing in New South Wales that we have that's pretty unique to our state is what they call um, a Section 95 release. So you can actually get the court to approve a release so parties can release each other from any claim on someone else's estate, um, but that has to have court approval. So, wow. yes, I, okay. I'm, I have a this is my little hope for the future that we will actually start to use those more often to avoid estate disputes. Because if you and we did one recently um, where a couple had just entered into a de facto relationship and they agreed with each other, and one party had a significantly greater financial situation than the other. And he was concerned that, you know, in the future that she might make a claim on his estate. Mm. So to avoid that um, situation arising, he they entered into an agreement where they released each other from any right to make a claim on the other's estate. But to make that effective and legally binding, they needed the court's approval of that and the court mm. approved that arrangement. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's a, uh, a document we used to give to clients in my practice mm-hmm. to give to fill out mm. and put in an envelope and it was just an end of life wishes. Mm-hmm. It was non-binding. Yes. But it was just almost like here's my extended family, mm-hmm. here's my favourite songs, I would like this poem read, I would like this music, I would like this scripture, I would not like this person to attend my funeral mm. and just this soft document mm-hmm. that can help in actually just prep preparing a funeral. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. So we might actually get that up uh, from Carly, my cousin, who helped me do that, mm. and we might mm. put it in the Facebook group. Uh, but it's not a will substitute. Mm. No, not at all. But it, but it's important to express what your wishes are. Because, because it's it, the soft things oh, yes, that people yeah. get caught on, right? Exactly, yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about power of attorney. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. And now, for the most highly regarded, auspicious moment in podcast history in Australia, which maybe isn't as big as it should be, it is the My Millennial Money Community Member of the Week. All right, so Power of Attorney, uh, and there's no Community Member of the Week this week. Uh, Sorry, Josh Nicholson from Brisbane, you're it. Um, (laughs) He's a regular of the show. He's been on the podcast before. He's done a live clarity call with John. So, your name's written down. Josh Nicholson, 34 from Brisbane. He's a project scheduler. Uh, He's saving to go on extended maternity leave for baby two. Uh, He's achieved his goals by uh, excellent planning using the Glenn James Spending Plan. Thanks, Josh. His silliest money mistake blowing a whole month's salary on partying when he was 19 and having to move countries to be with his parents afterwards because he was fiscally irresponsible. <laughs> okay. Better to do that at 19, I guess. Than yeah. <laughs> do you have any financial mistakes that you guys have made? Ooh. I mean, Anna, you love your, your <laughs> four-wheel drive, your boats, your motorbikes. <laughs> All of my toys. Yeah. yeah, I do love I do love my toys. Um there's nothing specific that jumps out at me that I can say, gee, that was a really big one. Mm. Well, you're doing well. Mm. Thank you. Do you have any Oh, look, if mistakes? I had to go back and, you know, do anything better, it would probably be have no credit cards. Really? Yeah, I think yeah. credit cards were, were big. You Did know, you get out of that loop? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And yeah. thankfully I've. My kids, none of them have credit. I mean, they have debit cards, Perfect. but not credit cards. So they're they're not falling into that trap. Of yeah. So you, you would be like my secretary. I had once. Um, I loved it a bit. She froze her credit card in a block of ice and actually left it in the fridge at work. So it wasn't just that it was frozen in the freezer at home, but she put it in the fridge at work. So if she wanted to buy something, she'd have to drive to the office, Ouch. get it out and defrost it. <laughs> I, If I had time, I would love to sit here and unpack that dumb logic. But um, It doesn't really help you when you know the credit card number off by heart. <laughs> yes, that's just, my yeah, problem. Type it yes. I know, I know. Yeah, that was it. Speaking of credit cards, so Tim Cooper, what up, Tim? He turned 40 recently, you old duck. Quack, quack, quack. so young. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm just thinking. It's all relative. (laughs) Uh, um, He has full power of attorney over Mm me. Yes. He can go to the bank tomorrow Mm -hmm. with the power of attorney document Mm -hmm. and open a credit card in my name. Arguably, yes, but... He must act in your best interest at all time and he can't, he can't act in a way that 
Um, I mean, he's breaking the law anyway. He, yeah, well, yes. <laughs> if yes. I don't tell him to. Yes. Well, that's there are issues there, but arguably, um, whatever he does has to be in your best interest. So he he cannot do anything that prefers his own interest. So if he was opening a credit card in your name, he could only use it for your benefit. Arguably. So yes, yes yeah. Mm. But he mm. could be naughty and go and do that and try and defraud you. And as someone who's been the victim of identity theft and spent the last three years fighting um, wow. all of this sort of stuff on a regular basis, um, it's amazingly easy without a power of attorney for people to do the wrong thing and even easier with one, which is why the person you choose is imperative. So power of attorney, you sign a document that Mm -hmm. says you can act on my behalf. Yes. Now there are two types, if I believe. There are. three? Uh, Two, well, two that we generally talk about for an individual, which is a general power of attorney, and that one will cease to have effect if you lose capacity. So if you were... Um, if you're suffering from dementia, if you're in a coma, had a stroke, you had no capacity, that power of attorney no longer has effect. And that's called a general power of attorney. That's just a general power of attorney. So they're not very common. That would be used, for example, if you were going overseas, wishful thinking, and you needed a document signed, for example, you're selling a property and you just wanted someone to use that power of attorney for one transaction, you might give them a general power of attorney with very clear conditions about how... Can the general power of attorney have a date... End to it? Yes, we can. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, you so can the specify. general power of attorney dies when your mind dies yes. or when you elect. Yes, or when you die. Yes. Or when so, you die. Yeah. yeah. Any power of attorney ceases to have effect on death. Yeah. And it can be just for a specific purpose and you can specify that specific purpose. Um, I had clients once who were going overseas and they made me power of attorney just for the period they were away because they were um, hopeful that certain things would need to be done while they were away. When they came back in the office, I said to them, oh, did you um, see the photo of the new boat I bought for you while you are in there? like, what? <laughs> So we've got yeah. the general and then the other one, enduring, enduring power of attorney. Yeah, so that one continues to have effect if you lose capacity. So if you were to have a stroke or in a coma, suffer from dementia, then that still continues on having right. effect. Mm-hmm. I, you know, call me old-fashioned. Mm. Uh, go on, no, <laughs> Almost as a young person, yes. if you were going to do one thing, mm-hmm. If you had to choose between a will and a power of attorney, Ooh. I'm going the power of attorney. Um, I'm going both. I'm sorry. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah. have one <laughs> Because they serve different purposes. Yeah, they do. One they is do. while you're alive and the power of attorney is while you're alive. Yeah. The, the will is on your death. So they're both important documents. They deal with different things. So I think you've yeah. got to recognise you need both. Mm. So can I choose two people to be a joint power of attorney? You can, yes, absolutely. And sometimes it's appropriate to do that, you know, clients will come and choose both children and they'll want both children to act jointly so that they can be a bit of a check and balance for each other and there can be no question that one's being inappropriate because they'll keep each other in line. Mm. If and when I get married or, you know, God, I don't know when that's going to bloody happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) It, would it be prudent mm-hmm. for my spouse to now be power of attorney? It depends on everyone's circumstances. There's okay. no hard and fast rule. Everyone's different. That may be appropriate in your circumstances. You may want to keep things separate. It's up to you. But Yeah, yeah like as an example, my parents, they've still got their original will, for example. I know yes. we're talking like I'm power of attorney over them. Yes. Uh, I think with my sister joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but there was no need to re-update the will because mm. dad's brother, Adrian, who's mm-hmm. still in a good relationship, yes. is his executor right. anyway and yep. there's a relationship good. there. So yep. so there was no need to change yeah. anything. Yeah, that's uh, perfect, yeah. Who, like ideally, who should be the power of attorney for you? Someone you trust. doesn't matter who it is. It's got to be someone that you trust and you've chosen someone you trust and, and so you've got to think about all the things. Is this person going to, to do the right thing at all times? Are they going to be someone that will do... Because you, even though you've got a legal document that says what you can and can't do, that doesn't stop things from being abused, from, from financial abuse mm. happening. Mm. So you need to be confident that the person that you've chosen can be trusted. Mm. And um, just another thing that's a really important consideration because I know that um, some of your clients will have their own business or will have gone into business with friends is also looking at the situation within that business if something happens to um, the key person in the business, whether a personal power of attorney is going to be sufficient to keep the business operating or whether we need to look at corporate powers of attorney to keep the business operating because we've actually had circumstances where um, something has happened to a client who's operated a business and the family couldn't pay the staff the next week. That's particularly important if you're a sole director or sole director, director, secretary of a company and the sole shareholder because there is no one else that can step in then. So maybe I need to do that for this new podcast company that I've got. Because I've only got the enduring personal power attorney. Mm. Mm. So that doesn't, yes. So that won't have any any part to play in the cor- in your company. Mm. So you'll need to appoint somebody to be the corporate. Yeah, because my attorney. previous entities were trusts, mm. right. and now this is a company. Mm-hmm. So mm. interesting. Mm. So have to come in and see us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just love to <laughs> love coming into Aubrey Brown lawyers. When Glenn comes into the office, it's like party time. <laughs> he makes his way around the office and pops in and sees everybody. Brings us t-shirts sometimes. Aww, cool. <laughs> I and this is why, like, so Aubrey Brown and now kind of, if you want wills, you know, I'll send you to Aubrey Brown. Um, so they're, I guess, our preferred lawyer. For podcast listeners, mm-hmm. uh, Anna, you are the managing director. I am. Uh, how big's the team? So we've got about twenty-three lawyers. We've got fifty-five staff in total, Jeepers including creepers. paralegals and um, secretarial and admin staff. And the way that we work is we have specialised teams, and then within those teams, we have lawyers who specialise in particular areas of law. And that way, rather than our lawyers sitting there trying to do bits and pieces of everything, they're extremely experienced and knowledgeable in areas of law, but we all work together. So if you need um, the skills of different ones of us, we work together with you as one big team to make sure we're getting the best outcome for you. Your own passion, Anna, is commercial law? It is. I'm an accredited specialist in business law and I just um, really, really love working with clients in their business to um, help them succeed and um, achieve their outcomes and head towards retirement the way they want to head and, um, you know, really have legal control over how all of that looks. Yeah, love it. Love it. So there you go, everyone. Again, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll finish up this episode and then we'll come back uh, for a part two. There's two other documents that I want to chat about, uh, enduring guardianship. 
Now, what's that? Because a lot of people think that's I look after the kids with the enduring yes, guardianship. Yeah, no, that's document. a slightly different concept. So enduring guardianship is for your um, medical and lifestyle decisions. Um, so that that's in conjunction with your power of attorney. Power of attorney is for legal and financial matters. Guardianship is for medical and lifestyle decisions. So what's an example of uh, some of the decisions that might be in the enduring, enduring guardianship yeah. document? Generally things like where you might live. So if you've if you and I should point out too that the enduring guardian document only takes effect if you can no longer manage your own affairs. So, so if you've lost capacity, if you if you're suffering from dementia, if you've had a stroke or you're in a coma, so decisions about where you might live. So that's a that can be a fundamental decision. What what care facility you might have to be cared for in. So you're appointing your guardian to make that decision on your behalf. Um, what treatment you receive, consenting to dent, medical and dental treatments or with withholding consent. So really they are effectively standing in as your spokesperson for all of those decisions. And is that, that a binding document? It is. That yeah. is a binding document, yes. Yeah, so I think, well, I'm confident mm. and I know that my sister mm-hmm. and my parents yes. mm-hmm. are my enduring, enduring guardians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think mine, it, mine might even say as long as possible – Mm-hmm. Uh, keep him in the home with yes. home care. Yeah. So like you can that. put your wishes in about what kind of care you want. Some people say, I'll leave it up to my guardians to decide because it will depend on financial circumstances. Mm-hmm. It'll depend on the kind of illness or, or disability that I've got. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I've, I think I've got maybe $2 million of TPD cover. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if this document trigger is pulled, mm-hmm. there'll be a $2 million claim there. Yes, yeah. So yeah. let's turn this thing into Blue Bay Hospital. Yeah. Like, well, and the other <laughs> thing- here yeah. as long as possible. <laughs> sure. The other thing to bear in mind then also is that some of the decisions to be made will be financial decisions as well. So your guardian and your attorney are going to have to work together and they may be one and the same person, that's fine. Yeah. But if you've appointed different people, you need to be mindful that the decisions about where you live have financial consequences as well. So it may be that you've got to access some funds to pay for an accommodation bond or whatever it might be. Yeah. For that and care. that's why I, I took the view, mm-hmm. the soft family stuff, mm-hmm. let my parents yes. and sister worry about that. Sure, sure. Uh, for the execution of clinical money stuff. Yeah. Tim yes. can deal with that. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is a way that a lot of clients will look at it. Who's going to, who's going to be the unemotional person and be able to deal with that financial stuff. And then, there's a document called the Advanced Care Directive. Yes. Now, every time I've taken this to hospital, mm-hmm. the lovely nurses can't believe that somebody who isn't 85 has one of these documents. <laughs> right. Talk to us about the Advanced Care Directive. Well, that's a document that expresses what your wishes are in certain circumstances so that if, if you are going into hospital and certain things may happen to you while you're there, that you've expressed what your wishes are and what how you want to be tr- cared for, um, and it's potentially more common when you are 85 and, you know, coming towards the end of your life. But in reality, it, can, it, it still is applicable at any stage of life because if you're going in to have an operation, you know, there always is a risk that something may not go according to plan and you need to be mindful that, yes. So uh, uh, that document, mm. in its rawest form, mm-hmm. when I think the anaesthetist was going through my staff, yes, yeah, I think they said, so if you do pass out, you want to be resuscitated? Mm, I'm like, mm. oh, I don't know. No. I, <laughs> so that document could say if I 
die on the table, yes. let me be, baby. That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. that's right. So you can express all of those wishes. Yeah. And then in conjunction with your appointment of enduring guardian, you want your guardians to act in accordance with that yeah. advanced healthcare directive as well. So. so it's the whole pull the plug, please. Exactly. And, yeah. and you wish there was a little clause that says that because the – if I had a dollar for every client that said, I just want the pull the plug clause, please, yeah. um, that is the general wish that people don't want to be kept alive if there's no quality of life. And that yeah. seems to be the, the common wish. But, um, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> well, we might leave it there for this episode. We're going to come back and do – it'll be on Thursday this week if you listen live – We'll talk about blended families. We might run in off the top of that mm-hmm. and then some property ownership, super, and then we've got a heap of questions that we'll answer. We just didn't get to it because it's so detailed, this will's situation. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are interested in sorting out your will, you bloody need to be. Get interested right now. Uh, I want you to click the link in the show notes. We, as the podcast, I'll be transparent. I'm not earning a cent from anything that, you know, these guys sort I just want everybody to get your will set up so go over to Orby Brown and I'm sure Angela if you can't help you will be able to point them in the right direction or someone in your team will yes yeah. yes love it alright ladies thank you so much thanks Glenn thanks Glenn We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.